Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Welcome back to Life's a Beach. This is Hoppo and I'm back in the beach shack. This week we are lucky enough to have Eden Daly in the beach shack. You'd know him from the TV show SAS Australia. Welcome Eden, uh, mate. Good to have you in. Thanks for having me, Hoppo. Yeah, great to be here. That's good. Uh, I'll start off with a show that I've actually been watching a little bit. Quite intimidating just sitting on the lounge, and that's SAS Australia. So tell us a little bit, how was that? Yeah, mate, look, I remember the f- the first day that we'll, uh, we had to go in the hotel. It was Ridges and uh, Gingerbine, and um, you know how they give you the numbers? So yep. they're calling us one by one to go down, and we don't know what to expect. Anyway, I'm the last one to be called. I get down there, I'm holding a bottle of water. I'm like, now, don't piss anyone off yet. Yeah, yeah. Just, just keep under the radar. Yeah. I get there, I see this big six-foot-seven bloke standing with a Valley Carver on, Anyway, I thought he went to shake my hand. So I, I put my hand out. Right. He grabs a water bottle, throws it around. <laughs> he goes, I'm not your effing mate. I'm like, great. I've already pissed him off. But anyway, they throw us in the, uh, in the cars. You don't know where you're going. Then you get this location. Then you see the Terminator Ant Millington yeah, coming out. You're like, oh, yeah. what have I got myself into? Mate, it's uh, quite intimidating. Look, I'm scared of heights, yeah. right? So I don't know how I deal with it at all. But they did make me get in a, an airplane and jump out skydiving once don't know how you do that mate it was tough but knowing what you guys went through like how do you deal with heights there's a lot of stuff with heights in there mate i hate heights like sometimes even walking over like i live in Dremoyne, so walking over the icon bridge yeah. i get a bit jittery looking down <laughs> and that's not even that high but yeah. it's still high up for me so heights kills me and then when we had to jump out backwards out of the helicopter i was like oh, how am i going to do this but i was the second last one like yeah ha- girls have done it you have to do it yeah, get in there, fall backwards, and hope for the best. Yeah, that's how I'd find. I think too, the girls are going out. Yeah, and, yeah. You, there's no that's way what out. We'll you, have to go. you can't. You can't look like a cat. You gotta. <laughs> if they're doing it, you're doing it too. Mate, were there any retakes or, or setups in there? Was just what you had to do. That's what you had to do. No, completely different to because I was on a previous show. Completely different to that. There was no produ- the producers don't run the show at all. It's just the okay. DS. So. Yep. Whatever they tell you to do is what you do. There's no retakes. If you fail, you fail. They just you know piss you off, and, yep. and that's it. So yeah, no retakes, uh, no reshoots, and it's just exactly what you see is what happens. Well, it's probably a bit similar to uh, Bondi Rescue. Is what you see is what you get. There's yep. no retakes for us either. It's yeah, just right. get out there and do it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I mean, it's it's been great watching it. The uh, DS. What are they like? Are they full on? Yeah, they are. Like you know, it's it's because I, I work. I've got a corrections background, so I work in a jail and. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of that when I was in the academy yeah. and you do all this military kind of training. But, yeah, they are full on. But yeah. it's tough love. You never take it personally. Yeah. Like, I was called every name under the sun. But you kind of just to make me laugh a little bit because I kind of <laughs> like blokes like this. And you know, I just found it was tough love. And they were kind of – you could listen to them speak all day, the experiences that they've had. You could really listen to them speak nonstop. You read their books. It's, it's amazing what they've done. Yeah, I know. The stuff they've done in the – imagine – Doing what you did there, yeah. but then throw that into a, a real war zone, <laughs> mate, it must be Don't know how they did it, yeah. yeah. It is unbelievable. The stuff, when they're carrying those, you know, 30 kilo backpacks, it's, you know, tough work and they got people shooting at them and bombs yeah. going yeah. off. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a Well, I mean, you're a fit guy. Like, how 
tough was it on the fitness? Have you ever was, trained that hard before? Yeah, well, mate, because we were meant to do it in New Zealand. So right. I reckon, honestly, the first time around, I trained a lot harder. The second yeah. time, I didn't train as hard. Right. So the first time I trained hard, but um, I didn't, my big, one of my biggest mistakes, I didn't do much hiking. I didn't. I, I just worked on my cardio, right. heats of fitness, heats of yeah, that. Yeah. But I probably did two backpack walks. I'd go around the right. bay run or I'd go, I went with Shannon Ponson. We did a yeah. thing um, in Manly. We did some walk. Yeah. But then when you're there and you got that 30 kilo backpack, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just don't, it, it, it's unbelievable yeah, yeah, how hard it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've done a bit with Shannon of, over the years with his um, when he was on the Biggest Loser, and yep. uh, also Candace Warner. She yep. grew up. Mum actually taught her to swim. She's from uh, around the eastern suburbs there at Maroubra. So yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, there's been a bit of a connection there, and that's yep. probably what got me in the first place to have a look at the show, and and then it just got me in. I, I love the uh, the resilience people need, and that's what we do as lifeguards. We put the guys and the girls outside their comfort zone, yeah, and then push them, you know, to the limits and. This show is exactly that, and yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's, it's pushing you to the yeah. limits, and they, as you know, you sleep deprived, and it's like being in a real war. That's it. You don't yeah. know, you know, when they in the war. I read my grandfather's journals where he would literally sleep where he was, and right. you don't know if you're gonna get shot, you don't know if you get killed. You got ants going you, yeah. water, rain coming down you. So they try to put you in that environment. Yeah. So it's nothing like any show that anyone's yeah. kind of seen before. So yeah, it really does take you out of your comfort zone. And how was it in the? Uh you know, as you were saying, the, the sleeping arrangements, it seemed like it was all pretty open. Everyone seems to be getting yeah. changed in front of each other. The toilets, yeah. you're right next to each yeah. other. How so was you, that? You basically see each, each other naked yeah. pretty much. Um, <laughs> unicorn, a lot, a lot of, I remember, uh, I think it was Faraz, the yeah. first time he just taking his pants, you see this little bum looking at you, like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, you all get naked. And with the toilet, you had to bring someone with you. So no right. matter what time it was, if you had to wake someone up, you could always have two people at the toilet with you. Right. They're all outdoors. And then to clean the torch, there'd be about four people on duty for that. And you right. pull it all out, you know, burn it, wash it out, yeah. put it in the bin, pull these gloves and protect the gear on. <laughs> it's a job you did not want to get. Thank God I missed out on yeah. it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and the sleeping, it was horrendous. We had this door and there's like a gap in the door. Yeah. Wind was coming in all night. It was just, it was shivering. Yeah. So you had fires on a night. And if the fire went out, oh my God, yeah. you're so, feeling it. So what did the temperature get down to at night then, do you reckon? Oh, they Pretty apparently low. got like to like two to one yeah. degrees. Yeah. It was freezing. It was freezing it was, yeah. I didn't realize how cold Australia yeah. could get. And that yeah. was the coldest temperature. And I yeah. hate the cold. Yeah. Coldest temperature I've ever experienced in my life. And the water looked cold too. Freezing. Yeah. And we did a lot of water. Yeah, yeah the water. A lot of water. As soon as, we, when we did that helicopter thing, it was like hitting concrete. And then when you got naked and changed, you literally yeah. red raw from how cold it was. Yeah. And what about the other recruits? How were they? They're, they're good. good. You know, every, everyone got along. Um, if people didn't like each other, they just would, they would keep clear and wouldn't say anything. But yeah. generally, you know, sometimes we'll step on each other's toes and tell each other off about little things that we did and yeah. that we got in trouble with the DS. Yeah. But other than that, it wasn't really, you know, no, no yeah. kind of yeah. clashes yeah. besides Faraz and yeah. the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it's like the, the lifeguard town, mate. We all work pretty close together and there's yeah. a bit of friction here and there every yeah. day, you know, a few days every now and then. So That's it, just a bit of banter. Way it is, yeah, yeah, a bit of banter. But also... Um, as me being a lifeguard and I've done a lot of rescues over the years, there's something that popped up that I noticed that you mentioned about a rescue you were involved with. And it'd yeah. be good to tell the listeners how you dealt with that and, and what that was about. Yeah, well, it was a, I took a trip to Terrigal with some friends and it was on a Sunday and the last day there, um, we decided to go to Avoca Beach for breakfast and then went to the beach and I had a mate there that hired out a surfboard for the day. So it was a surf shop across the road and... The bit we went was an unpatrolled beach. So you had the lifeguards, you know, it's a big, you've been a yep. big beach, yep. lifeguards all the way at the other end. And then um, we're in the unpatrolled area. And I saw these three, three guys just, they were just in the shallow, yep. you know, just playing around. 
and I, I had a bad feeling. I literally yeah. had a bad feeling before. And I, anyway, about ten minutes passed, and then um, I hear these screams and these two guys are running at me, and they're like, "We need help! We need help!" And I looked in the water, and I see a, a just pretty, pretty much just a dark shadow putting his mm. hand up. So I brought him with the surfboard, kind of rushed in to put the thing on the strap on my leg, and uh, went in there. And as you would know by rescues, they they just sink. Yeah. So I'm gone in, and, and he's just sunk. So I've jumped off the board, waded around. I was going to pull him up by his hair. And, and you do get a bit worried that they will grab onto you and they'll latch onto you, you know, like yeah. they're, they're going to die. They're panicking for their life and, and they could just, and they will not let you go. So mm. you could go down with them. So you got to be very careful. Yeah. But I couldn't find this guy. So to my horror, the straps come off my leg, but I knew I had to hold onto that board because yeah. if I didn't, I, I'm on a strong swimmer. Yeah. I'm going to go down. So I'm holding onto the board, holding on, waves are crashing down. I'm just going further and further, screaming out for yeah. help. And then I see a man running to the upper end of the beach and then, 10 minutes pass, I've landed on a sandbank and I thought I was home safe and then I've just been washed off it again. So I'm out again, lost the ball this time, saw this massive wave come, swam and I caught it and I just went back into shore and as I did, the lifeguards came. So either yeah. way, I think I would have been you know, saved. Anyway, then I told them where I last saw the, the guy where I was going to yeah. get him. They got the jet ski, took another lifeguard out and they pulled him out and then they pulled him. He was just jelly, like he was just wobbly. Yeah. Very white, his eyes were blue, and he, and he looked gone, and then uh, they put him on the beach. His mates were panicking. He had to hold his mates on the ground. Mm. Uh, and the lifeguards took 14 minutes to try and revive yeah. him. It was, it was a long time. And then, you know, seeing, I, I was in shock. I was in yeah. shock. And then, um, you know, I, I, I didn't know he, he had passed away yet. And, you know, we left the beach, and I kind of had an idea what yeah. was going to happen. And then that night, I was working as a personal trainer, and I had a shift, and I um, actually went to work. Yeah. I actually went to work, yeah. and then... I came home and broke down like a baby. Yeah, it just hit me after. And it does. That's uh, that's happened to a lot of us over the years. Like we deal with a, you know, a lot of rescues, and and every now and again you do lose one, and yeah. it can really affect you. And and sometimes it affects. I've noticed over the years, guys, maybe five years later, you know, ten years later, when it's something's come up in their life and just triggers it and uh, sets it off. Yeah. It's something that we've been training with now to, to deal with. And like you're saying, we, we all train physically, our bodies, yeah. but we don't train our minds. So we've got people coming in now that to train our minds and in that way to yeah. uh, prepare, ready for this situation. Yeah, you definitely got it. And, I, and I'm watching Bond Night Rescue. I've seen a few of the episodes where, you know, someone has died and yeah. you got a lot, a lot of young fellas coming up there. And I, you know, I really admire yeah. the job that you guys got. And people don't realize how tough it is. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a tough job. You're really going to be on your guard and, you're yeah, on your feet all day watching people. It's pretty. Um, we we did do once uh, heart rate monitors and yeah. how many kilometers and heart rate and everything. And, and before we went for rescues, it, you'd be 50, 60 beats per minute. And then every time you went for a rescue, it'd go 180, 200. So you're up and down, up and yeah. down. I think we covered over 20K yeah, uh, during the day of, of work. When they put in the data in the computers and it spat it out that it was equivalent, a day's lifeguarding is the equivalent of of playing three games of football back-to-back. Jesus, three games of football back-to-back. Yeah, back-to-back. That's that's what came out from what we were doing with heart rate, distance, and it was just um, – I didn't think that that would happen at all. My God, three games of football. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that. Yeah, so and, – and even with the impact, you don't get the impact, but yeah. you are when you get in the waves. Well, you do. As you know, yeah. without rescue, yeah. you, you get belted when uh, the waves hit you. So You'd feel it the next day, yeah. and especially the, the third day, even like the – the third day after, you, you really feel like yeah. playing football. Yeah. I've, you know how sore you yeah. get. You played yeah. rugby yeah. league. You get so sore and yeah. it's 
That's unbelievable. Yeah. And so that, I don't think any people will know that, would they? No, they no. don't. And it's more strenuous on the body than what people think. I mean, yeah. when they see us, you're walking around the beach watching and, yeah. you know, that's it looks like the easiest job in the world and, you know, which there are down times which are great. Yeah. Yeah, but when it's on, it, it's, oh, it's on. Especially it, yeah. on a busy day yeah. or on a Saturday at Bondi. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. every, like, the beach is packed. Yeah. You've got feasts on the beach too. you got to watch it. out for you got all that. You've got 30,000 people and... Yeah, I mean, it's like a Voker, you know, if you put 30,000 yeah. people anywhere, yeah. you're going to have a lot of drama. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, that's a lot of eyes yeah. looking yeah. out for. So, yeah, it's a. I mean, remember, Hopper, you should do SAS, I reckon. <laughs> Season <laughs> two, Hopper goes on SAS. People have mentioned, I don't know how my, I you'd go my old body would hold up. And uh, yeah, my, I reckon it'd be okay. It'd be yeah. only the. Uh, I reckon the heights might get me. That's the only thing I'm. That's what got me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I reckon you do good, Hopper. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I reckon you'd smash us. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I should give you look into you at season see, two. See how we go. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, the other thing I uh, wanted to bring up, good. You just had a um, a young son, Boston, just recently yeah. this year. Yeah, Boston. Yeah, so I had him. Uh, was it February 9th? So he's nine months yeah. old now. I can't believe how fast it's going. Soon I'll be celebrating his uh, first yeah, birthday. Yeah, so. Yeah. We just watching him grow, mate. So yeah. it's, it's just such a joy, you know. Your partner is Cyril, yeah. who was also on a reality Mar- TV yeah. show. Mar- uh, so listeners out there that don't know, it was, it was Married at First Sight, and then um, you were also on Love Island. So yeah. to- two totally separate shows. Uh, shows. Yeah. So how? Tell us how you actually met and got together right. after all that. When you both went on shows to to find love, <laughs> and then Do we you didn't met find love. So the story I like to tell like this, we were at a Mississippi Bar in Double Bay. Right. And she was at her friend's birthday and I was out there just for a drink. And yeah. then um, I came in and, you know, she, I, I caught her eye. She got my eye yeah. and then she just couldn't keep her hands off me. <laughs> so As it, you do. It was just, I just said, I'm telling you. So, and then just from that, we, uh, you know, we nothing happened the first night, but uh, I was trying my best, but no, yeah. nothing happened. And I, I liked the chase and yeah. then we just started hanging out and then literally just started spending every, every day together. And then... Yeah. Um, Nine months later, he came to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> that's the story. And that's it, yeah. That's it. Just happened like that. Just love it first sight. Yeah. <laughs> new show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great line, that one. You yeah. never know. That could be the new show. It could be a new one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's fantastic uh, to have you in and uh, have a chat and yep. tell the stories about you know, SAS and how tough it is in, in doing that uh, environment. And also, you know, tell us a story about the – rescue and everything you did yeah, and yeah. that's a part of what we're doing here on, on life's a beach it's uh everyone's got has been touched in the ocean at some stage yep. down the beach and there's always a story there and someone can relate to it and you know and also the the downsides of life as well everyone has, yeah. has that ups and downs and it's good to uh have you win, mate? No, no chat. thanks for having me in, Hop. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'd love to check out the Bondi, the Bondi boys. See what you get up to, mate. Any time down do the beach, you we'll, uh, there, we'll, yeah. throw, we'll throw you in. We we'll no, might I mean, even throw you in a couple <laughs> of rescues. Put the blue shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> you might be saving me though. <laughs> oh, thanks, Hop. Cheers, mate. Okay, today uh, we've got in the beach shack a long time that I've worked with this guy, but Trent Singlets Folson. Good to have you in, mate. Yeah, good to be here, Hop. Strange to see you outside the lifeguard setting, but uh, yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, mate, I thought we'd touch on something that was probably, we haven't seen probably in our whole career, that, that double drowning we had. And you were pretty influential in there. You um, took control of it and, and then had a the lady on your own. So how about just run us through how you felt and, and basically what happened? Yeah, it was a Thursday afternoon. I remember it really vividly, probably always will. Thursday afternoon, mid-afternoon, Rising swell, onshore winds, 
we had a, a full team on at the time. We were just in the middle of doing a changeover. And when I say changeover, I mean one crew was coming up from the beach and another crew was going out from the tower. And right in the middle of that changeover, when we we're all in the tower, I noticed a group of people in Backpackers Rip at South Bondi. I remember saying to the guys, I said, this doesn't look good. We've got to move. We've got to go. Let's go. So I ran down the stairs, jumped in the buggy with Wally, and we sped down to Backpackers like as pretty much as fast as you can go. On going down there, I saw hands go up in the air, and then I couldn't see much because of the, the waves and my, my visibility was obstructed. As soon as we got there, I took the board out of the rack and just paddled out as fast as I could to get out to the patients. So you only thought, did you know at that stage there was one or was there two? Did you? I saw there was a group, but I saw one hand go up. So I thought, okay, this is, this is you know, we do this all the time. We see a group and we know that we can handle more than one patient at a time. If they're all conscious, we can just float them up, hold onto them. Those rescue boards are big. We can wait till other lifeguards arrive. So that was my thinking. But then what happened then though? Because you got to the person that yeah so I, I i just always remember this i was paddling out and came over the last wave and as i came over the last wave what sort of i saw then will stay with me forever i mean as a lifeguard to see one patient floating face down is your worst nightmare but i saw two there were two bodies floating face down lifeless in the water and uh shocked me to the core we'll never forget it and just instinct kicked in and training kicked in for some reason, I went first to the lady and, and grabbed the lady and, and, and pulled her body onto my, my rescue board and then did that, you know, that pumping the chain. We have yeah, a the, signal. The Hopefully signal you can explain so we that. know that um, it's a pumping signal so we know that the person's unconscious. We need to have uh, the defib, the oxy, call an ambulance and uh, it pretty much sets off the emergency. But when you realised that it was just the lady, did you think that other lifeguards are going to come and, and help here or you, you well, didn't think you'd be left on your own well that's the thing you don't know because when i left the beach it looked like just a rescue and you don't know what's going on on the beach and the guys with their radio comms and all of that and so i was out there all alone with two unconscious floating face down patients and one in my arms and you know, if you've, if you've ever tried to rescue an unconscious patient, it's near impossible. They have no, it's like a, a floppy, slippery kind of scenario where they, they can't help you up on the board. Their very dead weight is very, very heavy. It's almost twice the body weight. It's really heavy to get an unconscious patient up on your own. We were getting hit by waves as well. The whole scenario was just horrible. I remember screaming out for help from any yeah. of the board riders around, but no one seemed to be yeah. close enough. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw Corey paddling out and, and came out past me. Mm. Um, and he was going for the guy. Yeah, but I didn't re I was just in this own sort of tunnel vision of my own and I was screaming for him to help me. Mm. And, you know, I I'd, I'd obviously didn't realise there was another patient that he had to go to as yeah. well. And then then it was like the cavalry started arriving and, and a few of the guys started paddling out, but they all went to the guy yeah. and I was just on my own with the woman. And in times like that, your training and everything you've learned along the way. Fortunately, I'm pretty skilled with the rescue boards. I've grown up being a, a board paddler in the surf clubs and, and that used to be my jam. So I kind of know my way around a rescue board and I was able to manoeuvre and, and to get this lady sideways across the board and just lie on top of her and then push over to the sandbank because I knew if we could get to the sandbank, the waves would wash us in. And, and that was the difference between us getting in earlier than the other guys. Yeah, that's uh, and that's one thing. I think we learned that back in the 90s where you put the, the 
a, mm. an unconscious patient over the board. That's right. Rather than putting them on like a normal Long rescue. Ways. Yeah. Long ways. Yeah. And then use your the, the rip um, yeah. in the ocean to your advantage where it did. It pushed yeah. you across the sandbank where you could stand up. Yeah. And then you could walk in with the patients right. on the board. So yeah. you did the whole rescue on your own. It's a it's yeah. a good tip for a lot of people because I always say, if you can float, you will drift across. Ninety percent right. of rips will take you across the sandbank where you yeah. stand up, or the the waves, waves as you, you said, in. will push you back in. So yeah. you've used that knowledge and and got the person back. And then what happened when uh, obviously the you've got her back to the shore. Yeah, so so um, I got washed into the shore with waves and, and was carrying her in my sort of arms. And luckily by then, people on the beach sort of saw what was happening. So a couple of guys ran down and helped me drag her out of the water. And fortunately, Box was on the beach with all the Medikit and Defib all set up, ready to go. So he was dry and was like sort of ready. It was almost like a sort of a triage, sort of re- ready triage. He had everything ready to go. So when we moved her up onto the beach, he was there and so I said to Box I said look we've got her on the rescue board already lying down on her back I said let's use this as a stretcher and just Mm -hmm. keep her on the rescue board and start compressions and all our defib work while she's on the rescue board and to be honest, I think that was a really good scenario because we had a, a really nice solid platform to do compressions yep. on. And sometimes, as you know, when you're doing compressions on the sand and it's uneven and, and it's wet and everything, it's not the most ideal scenario. Yep. So this worked out really well. We just kept her on the board and, and we went to work on getting getting her sort of CPR and defibbing. Yeah, and it was a great effort. I mean, I wasn't there that day, but then I saw the footage because mm. uh, they were filming Bondi Rescue at the time. and. It's an amazing uh, rescue and amazing um, what you were able to do. And then, uh, unfortunately, the the male didn't make it, but uh, the, the woman you brought in, and I think the timeline there, you've got them in quite quick as well and yeah. used the ocean to your advantage and ended up getting her back. So mm. what does that feeling that you actually went in, she was dead in front of you, you've got her back in. Yeah. So how did you feel then when... Yeah, she got a pulse. Yeah, look, it was weird because also whilst we're sort of setting up and doing our early compressions and defibbing, the boys are still out in the water with the male patient, you know, and we'd, we'd forgotten. And I remember looking over my shoulder and they were only just coming in and I felt, oh, you know, this sinking feeling like yeah. these poor guys have still got to set up and, and start work on, you know, and then when we were still in the middle, because we were doing CPR for 20 minutes and, and, you know, I spoke to paramedics later and they said it's it's very very rare to be doing cpr for that long and get a patient back so we were really lucky yeah but for I people listening is they don't don't uh, give up don't, don't stop. give up and 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 keep going but you don't realize how tough it is doing cpr oh, it looks uh it doesn't look that tough but it is exhausting physically exhausting mentally exhausting there's a lot going on you've got people around you screaming the family were there on the beach standing behind us which was really unnerving and then i remember looking over my shoulder and these guys were only like 20 yards down the beach with the same situation going on, pumping. And it, the whole thing was just like something so surreal out of a movie. It was just, it was horrible. So I remember when the paramedics arrived and we'd been going for 20 minutes and, um, you know, they sort of got their IVs in and whatnot. And, and, and I thought, oh, this doesn't look good. I don't know if we're going to get it back. It's been too long. And then eventually one of the senior uh, intensive care paramedics said, oh, we've got a femoral pulse here. And I remember just, just being like, you know, elated. I mean, she's not out of the woods, but it's yeah. something. But the relief, and then uh, she did survive, and uh, I think she did come down and meet you. Uh, 
what, a yeah. few days or a week later? Yeah, well, a backstory on that. I remember I was going to go into St. Vincent's Hospital and visit her because I felt like I had a you know a bit of a connection there. And I remember talking to one of the paramedics that we work with, Norm Spaulding, and Norm said to me, mate, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Don't go in there because it's quite possible that she'll have brain damage because she was out for so long and unconscious for yeah. so long and you might not want to see that. So yeah. I thought, oh, well, okay, that's really sad. And, you know, anyway, I got a call from the lifeguard tower two, three days later from the boys and they said, you might want to come down here. There's someone we want to want you to meet. So I went down there and I walked in and there she was, as plain as day, as healthy <laughs> as you could imagine, with a big hug for me. It was just the most amazing scenario ever. And she would have looked totally different from the day when you pulled yeah, her in from the water. Absolutely. Like, you know, when, when I saw her, she was ghostly white and very, very, very unwell, you know, to this healthy woman standing there like it had never happened at all. Um, she just said she had a sore chest, which, <laughs> you know, we're quite happy for. Yeah, no, it's an amazing result and a great story and it's mm. something you'll probably, you know, live to tell the story for many, many years and yeah. it's uh, great you came in to tell us the story uh, in the Beach Shack. Yeah, and even better than that, we're great mates now on Instagram. I mean, she lives over in, you know, sort of Holland and whatnot and we still, you know, communicate via Instagram. So, I mean, that's amazing. That's a lifelong bond, really. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and, and the, for the guys that were involved with the male patient, just wanted to say they did their absolute best too and whilst we didn't get a good scenario there, you know, I, I saw those guys work tirelessly and, and I'm so proud of like what everyone did on that day. It was incredible. Okay, letters in this week for the mailbag is from Annabelle and she's from the UK. Her question is, what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? Well, very good question. I think that one would be knowing what the TV show Bondi Rescue would have done and also being so influential around the world with water safety, I think uh, we would have built a lot earlier on the messaging and, and getting it out there to the world on how to survive in the water. Okay, the next uh, letter is from James, who is from Ireland. What is one common myth about your profession or field that you want to debunk? Well, that's a good one. It's uh, pretty much, I think, the uh, difference between professional lifeguards and the volunteer lifesavers. We always get confused that it's all the same people, but uh, pretty much professional lifeguards are the paid lifeguards. It's a full-time job. And then when you hear lifesaver, that's a volunteer which uh, come on the beach to help out uh, and they're in the red and yellow. So that's something that uh, needs to uh, get out there a bit more and know the difference between lifeguard and lifesaver. Okay, the next letter is from Jalen and he's from Brisbane. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Well, pretty much you uh, can connect with our Instagram page, which is Life's a Beach AU, or you can also go to our website, www.lifesabeach.co. Thanks everyone for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, Beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.